Hey, Adam. Hey, Terry. How you doing? Perfect. Oh, you sound great. I don't know about you. If you can you hear me? Yeah, we sound great. Perfect. I love it. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're back. The unanimous decision, the voice in your ears, Adam Kaplan with my man Terry from Hot Sauce Sports. How we doing, baby? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on, buddy. I appreciate it. Ah, likewise, man. Thanks for hitting me up. Glad to collab. And uh, why don't you tell us a bit about the uh, about the website? About so the we've show. been going for um, we've been going for about a year and a half now. Actually, no, it's uh, yeah, so a year and a half. Uh, we started in November of 2018. Uh, it's me and a couple buddies. Uh, we just decided to we, – we used to do a podcast. Well, we still do it for our flag football league. And then we decided – we took over the studio. We just made our own thing. And now it's become this thing that we've all been doing pretty much part-time. But um, as of now, I'm doing it full-time. Yeah. Awesome. And it seems like all you guys are all super into sports. So do you all touch up on – uh the same sports or do you all do your own uh shit? it's pretty much they i mean like I, I i can touch on everything uh the other guys they're just all sports fans so they know a little bit about everything um it's not really specific <clears throat> i mean we just talk about whatever's current uh i like doing my things on the side for mma and boxing and things like that i've always been into it i boxed when i was younger i started again uh, back to boxing I'm a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, so it's like it's always something that's been, you know, ingrained in me. But it's more – the other guys are more just like those um, – like your classic sports podcast guys, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, where do you train for boxing? Boxing is at Otis's. I train with, uh, with your boy Pete. And, um, and for jiu-jitsu is Gracie Bar West Island. So have we crossed paths in person? I think so because when I saw your Instagram account, I recognized you right away. I'm pretty sure we have. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm pretty sure we okay. have. I don't know about it at the gym, though. I usually go in, in the off hours, uh, weird times. Yeah. So do I, though, with Herc. I'm in the off hours training with Herc also in, like, uh, you know, uh, like 12 o'clock, 2 p.m. Uh, no, I usually go around, like, 9, 9, 10. Uh, and, oh, and I no train, way. Okay, and I train okay. with Peter usually before or after he does his amateur, uh, his amateur classes. Very cool. And you're just doing uh, traditional boxing, or are you doing K1? No, just traditional. It? I mean, I never really did, I never really did right, kickboxing. Cool. When I was a kid, I used to train at um, at Ring Eighty Three with. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course, man. With all the fucking <laughs> exactly, animals. Yeah. So, uh, Damn, man! If you came out of that gym, you had massive work. Uh, it wasn't man. really. Otis Howard, Herc, Jesse Kelman. Thompson, uh, Russ Anberg, you, man. I don't know any a bunch of uh, other was, killers. Kelman was was the guy that trained us back then. But I was about fourteen, fifteen. But I was playing football, so my dad said pick one. So I chose football, and then I never really went back. Yeah. Cool. Where'd you play? I played ball? Uh, in the West Island in Saint Laurent. Then I went to Vanier. I played two years at Vanier. Oh. Okay, so you played for the Spartans. I did. Yeah, most of my I played in the West Island for two years, but the rest I played for the Spartans. Yeah. Where? Where? Uh, in the North West? Shore. I played. I played Alexander. Okay. Okay. I played. And then I played. Then I played in yeah. North Shore Mustangs after, and then I played in Saint Laurent. Okay, I did uh, West Park, Lakeshore, and then and then I went on to rugby. Oh, you went to Lakeshore, the enemies. I went to Lakeshore. I'll, well, I'll tell you the story. The story was is that I was uh, a prepubescent kid trying out for the North Shore Lions at O-Line. I had no fucking shot, bro. <laughs> the North Shore and, Lions uh, I was a North Shore Lions O-Line are probably the biggest guys I've ever seen in my life. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, I got my ass kicked in the tryouts and then I went on to rugby and like I ended up doing my thing in rugby. So I, I don't look back on football, but holy shit. I remember I was I grew up playing because I, I lived in the West Island, but we moved to St. Laurent. So when I really got into football, I was playing in St. Laurent for the Spartans. And I remember the first day North Shore Lions were coming to St. Laurent to play us and they all get off the bus and we sucked. St. Laurent, we were awful. And uh, what year? I'm 34. I just turned 34. So. Okay. Okay. This is a different. Okay. So we're in. We're in. I'm 28. Okay, so yeah, you're younger than I'm. Um, yeah. So we see the North Shore Lions coming off the bus, and they're they're enormous. We all shot our pants. But then, they killed us about 50 to nothing that game. Whatever it was, I remember. I actually remember that game like it was yesterday because uh, the quarterback for their team. I'll mention his name in a bit, but he he he's running the ball, and I absolutely annihilated him out of bounds, like completely. I got flagged. I got tossed. The whole thing. And now he's my best friend. <laughs> it's, it's wow, Marco Briette. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, that's awesome. All right. And uh, where are you doing your At jiu-jitsu? Gracie Baja in the West Island. Gracie Baja in the West Island. Okay, so you're Glenn, with Glenn. My boy Glenn. Master, Master Glenn. Glenn. He is a he. He's a nice guy. I used to fucking work at Pizza Nico's, and once in a while, I would drop off food to him. He was a super yeah. Cool Glenn. Dude. Uh, Glenn's an interesting guy. I love Glenn. He's uh, he's a guy you would go through a brick wall for. You know, he's one of those. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I I I was saying it to myself over the quarantine that if I was going to register, uh, you know, under any I guess sensei for lack of a better term or or coach or trainer, it would it would probably be Glenn. He seems like a pretty motivational guy and a guy that really gives a shit about the his thing, athletes. The thing with Glenn so. is that he knows how to uh, how to let you do your thing, but he knows how to do how to, how to coach you when you're uh, an athlete coming from another sport. So all of these. All of the guys that we have at our gym, uh, all the killers, like, Evan, like you, you probably wouldn't know the names, but guys like Evan Bishop, Andrew Racine, well, Lucas, he, he's, he moved to Vancouver now. But these are, guys are all world-class fighters, brown belts and purple belts. Well, now um, Andrew just got his black belt. But these guys are all ex-hockey players, football players, uh, wrestlers, and they come yeah. in. And Glenn just knows how to use their athletic ability and let them do their thing. But he grinds them. He puts them in a grind. He, you know, he takes care of them. He's, he's good with that kind of thing. He takes care of the young guys. Absolutely. I think that as we've seen in the past through combat sports is that athletes have had the easiest time transitioning into the game uh, in some regards, you know, due to just like great movement patterns and the explosiveness and just that will and drive. But at the same time, sometimes some of those athletes who always want to go balls Mm -hmm. out in a in a sport like jujitsu. You know, sometimes the patient ones actually uh, go. So further. that's the thing is that I'll, I'll tell you my story. I was 23. I had just stopped playing football. I got cut from Concordia Stingers. So I was like, what do I do? Um, and then my buddy had mentioned to me, uh, he knows Otis Grant. So he's like his father, his, his father and his uncle are good friends with Otis Grant. So he's like, why don't we go to TKO gym in the West Island? Yes, yeah. I remember that, dude. I went to fucking preschool right next. Okay, to there you go. So it was unbelievable when that. Opened so we up. were like, I'm like, fuck, this is amazing. So we took a couple boxing classes, and then I, we started doing jujitsu classes every Wednesday with this guy named Lee Villeneuve. I don't know if you know who he is, but Lee Villeneuve. I've heard. I've heard he's the a name, monster, yes. like absolute monster. And uh, Does, he trains. He trains over in like uh, Kanawagi Be- area. Beloy, no? he has his own school. Yeah, yeah. Beloy, okay, okay. And uh, he's a monster. Great guy as well. So he was doing the, the jiu-jitsu classes over there, but with no gi. And I was like, this is great. It's wrestling. I wrestled in, in high school. This is perfect. Man, I puked after the warm-up of the first class. And I, and I was addicted. Yeah. My friend Eric stopped 
coming. It just didn't interest him that much anymore. I continued going, and it's been 11 years. I haven't stopped. And That's yeah, amazing. And then TKO closed. I didn't know where to go. So I, I, I Googled, and I found Gracie Bod downtown. I went there. And then when the West Island, uh, a couple of years ago, I moved, I moved over to the West because I wanted to work on your Glen. And that was yeah. very, very cool. That's cool. And uh, do you have any, do you compete? Do you, uh, do you, have you, have you done any amateur fights? Any, any, uh, any jujitsu competitions? I used to, I used to compete in jujitsu uh, probably about four times a year, max. I probably competed maybe 15 to 20 times. Uh, I never was really full-time competition. I was always working full-time, so I couldn't really do it. Um, but I would like to get back into competing when, as soon as the gym, well, the gym reopened this week, but I'm going to wait a bit. Yeah. And then see for the, I mean, I don't want to risk it with this whole COVID thing, but I'm itching to get back in, you know? So it's, I, I'm going to get back into competing now that I have more time on my hands. Yeah. Okay. So you've only competed in jujitsu. No, no boxing. never boxing. And actually I wanted to, with Pete, he's been pushing, he's been pushing me. He's like, yeah, you should do a fight. You should do a fight. I'm like, I don't want to, it's like, I'm 34. I don't want to get my, I don't want to get knocked out. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not something that I, I've, I'm, I'm looking to do. So jujitsu what the worst, the worst that can happen, I get choked out. I wake up 10 seconds later, you know, that's pretty much the worst that can happen. So it's like, I don't know about boxing. I, I want to continue boxing, but I'm not going to do, I don't think I'll ever do a fight. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. understand. I understand. I mean, look, I've been training for like six years now and like I go in, I go in waves where, you know, I'm going hard out and it, it looks like we're going to get a fight and then I don't get one or whatever it is. And then, you know, it's annoying, but at the same time, it's kind of part of the yeah. game and, just staying consistent and on the grind in the, in the sport is, is, is easily the hardest part about it. And that's why a lot of guys that come up in the game right now, all they want to do is fight. And if you hear any traditional martial artist, it's all about the practice. It's all about the journey. Yeah. So the more days you skip on the journey, man, you're fucked. So that's, that's the constant battle that, that everybody kind of fights with themselves because every day you skip at the gym, you then maybe want to skip another two. And everybody exactly. knows that when you skip a week at the gym, bro, <laughs> those guys are on your fucking ass. It's not only that, is that I'll take – you don't even realize how long it takes for you to get back into the gym. If you're like, okay, I'm not feeling it today. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go tomorrow. And then you're like, oh, fuck, you know, maybe I need another day. And then two days turns into like a full week. And then you come back and you're, and you're 10 days off from training and you're getting destroyed. Your cardio is gone, especially for jujitsu. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu, you take two weeks off. It's as if you took the year off. And I'm not, I'm not even lying. Yes. And, it's, and that happened, it's happened to me a lot where I, you kind of got lazy and it's like, ah, okay, fuck, I'm not going to go. Let me rest up a bit. My neck hurts, this and that. I have plans, all this stuff, you know, right. girlfriend, whatever. Right. And, then, and right. then you go back and you get killed by the 22-year-olds that just want to rip off your head because you have a brown belt on, you know, so. It's, it's, it's a humbling. Yeah, for it's sure. Humbling. For sure. I, I, I don't want to be that guy, but the way I look at it is, is that the more days that you spend in the gym and you're doing your sparring and you're doing your drilling and you're just constantly in the environment, the more desensitized you get to the actual like pressure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And of the actual situations and the nature um, of the actual sport. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're sparring or you're rolling with somebody and there's a scramble, you know that if, if there's been two weeks off, chances are you're going to sprawl a lot friggin' harder and try a lot harder than you would if you've been in that groove for, for I don't know, four, four years, four, four to six months at a time, four years, five years. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you, you start becoming, you start, yeah, like desensitized, I think it's the best word to use because you start figuring out that, you start realizing it's like, okay, well, all this is average to me. It's like, it's all normal to me. And then all of a sudden, you're going at a, you're at like a consistent pace, but you're not going full pin. You might be doing 90%. 
And then you have a kid who's trying to take your head off at 110%. And then you end up getting into this full brawl. That's happened to me a few times. Like, well, it's happened to everybody. Yeah, exactly. if, it, if it hasn't happened to you, you haven't sparred. So that's that's, it, that's yeah. literally it. And like when I first started training was in 2014. I hopped on a plane and I went to Thailand. How, sorry, what year? Because it, it cut off. I didn't hear. 2014. 2014. Okay. Yeah. So like six years ago, I hopped on a plane. I went to Thailand. And the way the Thais uh, spar and the way that they want the 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 Westerners to spar us is that they want you to be a little bit more playful and a lot more technical. Okay. Now, obviously, the technical part is tough when, when you're, you know, not really good. But the playful stuff, you know, kind of takes the fun. It kind of makes it a little bit more fun. And then when you bring that back to the Western world, uh, that shit doesn't really fly, man. Guys spar, like, a lot harder here. And it kind of changes the nature of things. So it, yeah, like it, you like like every 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 region I think is uh, it, it's very different. So I, I hear the same story all the time when I hear guys who go to Thailand for Muay Thai or whatever it is, and and yes, and I hear the same thing when guys go to like California for Jiu Jitsu or you know what I mean, or they go to like a specific school or whatever it is, and everybody has a different way of working. But when you look at all like the, the killers, the fucking murderers, you know where do they come out of? They always come out of these places. And that's why they're so fucking good because they take their technique and they apply it at this hard pace level that it's very yes. hard to replicate. It's very hard to replicate. Yes. Yes. And although the ties like could fight up to, you know, eight to 10 times in a month. Yeah. Um, they do take a lot of pride in their technique mm -hmm. and in their actual skill. And like we were talking about before, like guys get into MMA and jujitsu now, dude, and all they want to do is compete. They don't even care about the drilling or the process or the journey. So, you know, that, uh, that philosophy, man, yeah, it actually, it, it absolutely changes the whole game up. And I just think that uh, if, if you want to go further in the sport, like you got to kind of take it every single day at a time. And you see it on all the guys around you that some of those guys that walked in on January, 2019, when you see them January, 2020, and they didn't miss a day, the difference is crazy. Oh, it, it's the margin for error is so much smaller at that point, you know? And it's like, it's it, anything, anything you put your, you, you just train for anything to be even football. If you miss a few days at the gym or whatever it is, you see the difference in the guy who hasn't missed anything. You know what I mean? And it's like, I could, I can always Easily. go back to, I mean, there's so many boxes that have said it, but it's like, why do you, like Mike Tyson, he said it once, he said, uh, I would just wake up at two o'clock in the morning and go run. Why? Because I know the other guy's sleeping. So it's all, it's all these little yes. things that these, these killers do. I don't have that mentality. It's not, it's not in me. I'm a very easygoing guy. So for me, it's like, I want to take an eight hour snooze, you know, maybe a two hour nap in the middle of the day too. But that's right. why I, that's Absolutely. why I was never able to compete at a higher level because it just wasn't in me, but I didn't want it to be in me either. Absolutely. Absolutely. But could we not agree that there's a fine line where people think that if they want to fight, they have to be professional fighters? Like they, it, people think that it's either like you're either a student or you're a fighter and there's no there's there's not there's no yeah. in between. You know, there could be people that have spurts of like kind of taking the game super seriously. You know, somebody who's kind of like, you know, maybe an entrepreneur mm -hmm. who has the time to manage their schedule. I'm basically talking about <laughs> myself, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, I just think that most people, it's like either you're a pro fighter or you're, or you're an amateur trying to turn pro or you're just a guy. It's like, no, no, no. Oh, me. And no, I would never fight. I, I never no. God, no, I just train. And that it's, 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 it is a fine line and it's, you can't, it's not necessarily that you, you're either a student or a professional athlete is that 
if if there's something that especially when it comes to boxing you can't have something else occupying your time and yes. you need it, it needs to be the full thing if you really want to compete if you're doing amateur fights it's it's understandable that you have a full-time job and it might not be the the thing that you're doing you might just do it just because you want to scratch that competitive itch but if you're not doing it full time you're going to get your head blown off and that's a big reason why I didn't want to do a fight because I'm going to get my head blown off because it's not full time for me you know and it's where like like I mentioned before jiu jitsu it's like the margin of error is a lot bigger i'd say where in boxing it's so much smaller so you can't you can't take this lightly it has to be full or not absolutely 100% um no, oh, and I that? see guys going in and out all the time, and it just doesn't. It does. You can see that it doesn't work. Like there's so many of. Uh, I can name you ten MMA fighters in the UFC that as soon as they make some money, they start opening a business or they started uh, being on TV too much or maybe uh, they started their own rap album or then they started dwindling. They started going down. You know what I mean? You can. We could. Well, yes. We could talk about. We could talk about Woodley all day. Woodley, world class. Sure. But as soon as he started doing TMZ and and rapping. He was he sucked and he was gone. So so that's an interesting point. The reason that being is, is that these guys call their managers and they're like, OK, dude, if the UFC is going to put me on the shelf, go and make yourself useful and find me something else. And the problem is with that is that the guys that look elsewhere to get their bread don't always then end up getting the cheese uh, at the end of the race. Exactly. The and that's 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 kind of the way that goes. Now, now that we're. Now that we're bringing up the UFC and this and that, how do you feel about Fight Island? You know, there's like a lot of people who in in the mainstream media who are kind of putting down Dana White and kind of shitting on the idea. And I, I you know, I do think that politically and uh, I guess sociologically, things are a little bit sensitive yeah. right now. And I think that people pretty openly know that like Dana White is a Trump supporter. So I'm kind of wondering, like, is he getting flack for it? because times are sensitive or is he getting flack for it because the idea of fight Island is not that chill. And in by no means necessary, am I trying to make this political, yeah. but I just feel like lately, if you are representing any type of conservatism, like you, you know, they're going to try to block oh, you for out. Sure. And I love the idea of fight Island, whatever he can do. I mean, I don't know about you, but I love the fact that there's fights. I mean, not necessarily that I'm just a sports fan, but the fact that he's doing something and he's doing it safe, you put everything in a bubble it's fine. He figured out a way to do it. I don't see what the problem should be. If you're a, if you're a liberal or if you're a conservative or if he's a Trump supporter, nothing he's doing has anything to do with Donald Trump. He's just putting on fights. He's trying to make, he's trying to make his fighters a living. He's trying to make a living. So I don't know why he's getting any flack when it comes to political points of view, when it comes to this shit, because to me, fight Island is, it's a good idea as long as he, it's safe and controlled. And we've seen the last seven events that he's done. It's all been safe and controlled. Not one case has come out after that they caught COVID, other than Jacques Array at the beginning, but he already had it, he already had it before. So for right. me, I, I mean, I give him kudos. I love the idea that he's, that he's, getting, he's getting this shit done. And Dana White's the type of guy. He's going to get shit done. He's always done. He's, he could be an asshole. We've seen what he's done with, with some fighters and some, media, and some journalists and media guys. But at the end of the day, he's a businessman. He's a very smart guy, and he knows how to put on fights. Big time. I completely agree. What do you think about it being in Abu Dhabi? I like it, and I like the fact that it's close to Khabib, that if there's an upper, if there's a, as a smallest chance that you can fight, that you'll be able to go. But I doubt it, and I would love to see Khabib and Gaethje on Fight Island, but I guess it's not going to happen. It's too close. But July 8th, I think it is, right? 
I thought the fight was going to happen in no, September. No, their fight's happening in September, but I would love to have seen it on Fight Island. Uh, fight Island's not going to run in no, September? No, I think it's July 8th, no? That it cuts off. Oh, I could be wrong then. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. My bad. Yeah, no, yeah. of course yeah, not, right. man. They're fighting uh, Cormier and Stipe you're in right, August. You're right. Baby. It's going to be that's going to be the shit right there. I can't wait. That, for that fight, fight is is a big one for me. That's it's a huge fight. But I I'm excited, man. I I just want to watch fights. I put them on every weekend. I'll watch them. I actually missed last weekend. I will say, I'll shoot myself in the foot here, but I missed the last fights last weekend. I, I saw the main event. That's all I saw. Yeah, the main event was pretty good. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like Curtis Blades did enough to kind of put himself forward, considering uh, the losses that he's had against Nganu. So I don't really know what the deal was there. Personally, I felt that the UFC wanted Volkov to win so that they could give Volkov Nganu on a quick turnaround fight. That's what I kind of thought, just to keep Nganu warm for the winner of DC and Stipe, because... In my opinion, I don't think coming off a win against Rosenstruck is enough to be confident enough to go into the winner of DC and Stipe. I don't think... Um, yeah, so I would... I, hello? Hello? Still here. No? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what I don't happened. know either. I got your text. So where was that? Um, you were talking about... Uh, we were talking about Fight Island, Abu Dhabi, and then I asked you about Nganu yeah, okay. fighting Rosenstruck. Was that yeah, enough? Yeah, so it wasn't enough for me. I think Nganu needs to fight um, maybe a Blades because Blades needs to show a little bit more uh Nganu maybe he needs to fight the loser of Stipe Cormier but I don't think that's ever gonna happen if if, if Stipe wins Cormier's retiring I don't see him fighting Nganu and getting his head blown off for whatever amount of money um so I think that Nganu needs to show us a little bit more because what did we see in 35 seconds I guess we're just struck we all we saw was that the same thing we've seen all the time is that he's got a crazy left hook and who's gonna fuck with it you know and I don't think, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm not really well, not I that impressed with, you. with Nganu that much. I mean, we haven't seen much. Okay, well, I wasn't, I wasn't impressed with Nganu's performance again, Rosenstruck. I thought yeah. it was a technical disaster. And Curtis Blades has lost to Nganu twice by TKO, so there's no way that they It'll were never really going to do again, that yeah. fight. So I really thought that they were looking mm-hmm. for Volkov to win. But even Volkov, and, I mean, the, the way he uh, lost to know. Lewis... Um, I mean, I like Volkov, but I feel like he always comes up short. And why would – even if he beat Curtis Blades, Curtis Blades lost Nganu twice, like you mentioned. Uh, who's Volkov really beating? Right. I mean, I don't really know his record that much. I know that he, the way he, – he was destroying Lewis, and then he got KO'd in the last 20 seconds. And then he, he does this, this, this poor performance yeah. against Curtis Blades. I mean, it's tough, it's tough for me to say that he would have been two fights away from a title, title shot. But that's the thing about the, the heavyweight division is that you're always one or two fights away from a title shot, no matter who you are. Yeah, you, you absolutely are. And, you know, I think that Stipe and DC are going to have a banger and both of them are going to ride off into the sunset. That's my yeah. call. Winner takes all. 
Uh, they both go to the Hall of Fame. One goes uh, down champion and legend, and then they both go down legends. Uh, you know what? Derek Lewis versus probably uh, Olenek is the best. That's a, actually that's a very that's a good, super good call. I mean, Olenek, why not at this point if he's going to move up? You know, I mean, I mean, move up. He's 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 moving up in um, in rankings. You know what I mean? And that's 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 a sick fight for Ngannou exactly. because Olenek's probably going to wrestle him against the cage and. We saw what Ngannou did, uh, couldn't do against Stipe against the cage. So let's see, let's see what happens. I mean, it's very interesting to see what uh, what he what he'll be able to do. Ngannou against a guy like Olenek, who's just gonna brawl and take a shot. Man, like, nobody can take a shot like Olenek. The guy, and you throw a punch to his face, it looks like a, a beach ball hit him in the face. It doesn't affect him, you know. The guy's got a, yeah, a yeah, melon for a fucking head. Yes, he does. But can anybody take that shot? I don't so, know. Uh, I don't know, but, we'll, you know, we'll have to see. Um, for now, though, Nagano, I think uh, getting a quick turnaround maybe against Ola Nick or Derek Lewis would be a, a good move. Derek Lewis, although he, he probably likes to take breaks in between fights, guys like him having quick turnarounds are probably... Uh, yeah, for sure. Him. I think Lewis is, is kind of like that gatekeeper where if you can beat Lewis, you can you can contend for a title shot, you know? Uh yeah, although I'd like to see Lewis be the I champion. I would love to see Lewis. Who wouldn't want to see this guy be the champion? He's the most, he's the most loved fighter in the exactly. UFC, I think. Everybody likes him. Exactly. So let me get, uh, let me get your take on UFC sure. 251. Uh, throw him at me. Um, so, you know, yeah, 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 for sure. So we'll go over, uh, yeah. we'll go over the main card. Um. What are you looking at in terms of uh, Amanda Rebus? So the thing about Amanda Rebus is I think she's one of the most underrated fighters in the UFC. I'm a a huge fan. Okay. Uh, But Paige Van Sant is another person, like I was mentioning before about that Woodley shirt. Maybe her her eyes are somewhere else, you know. Maybe she's – because she's built her this whole persona outside of the UFC. The girl's gorgeous. She's a great fighter. She's a brawler. We've seen her in crazy brawl. She's a great fighter. But this is a yes. It's such a tricky fight for Van Sant because Rebus is a really good on the ground. Her stand up is is decent, is pretty good. Uh, but it's I'm not. I, I don't see Paige coming out of this fight looking like a contender again. You know what I mean? Well, look, dude. I'll pu- I'll pu- I'll put it to you like this: if if Rebus beats um, mm-hmm. Mackenzie Dern. There's no way that Paige Van Zandt will have much to offer on the ground. I don't care who her boyfriend yeah. is in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. That's not going to do anything. Uh, that's not going to happen. And another thing, too, is, is that Rebus also beat Random Marcos, who even though Random Marcos' record uh, isn't necessarily the sickest on paper, she's actually a super game fighter and has been in a lot a of wars, big yeah. stand-up wars. And she's got a solid... She's, uh, she's an interesting character around. too, Ronda Marcos, and she does really doesn't really care what people think about her. She went out nuts, and she's, she's a great fighter. She's an unbelievable fighter. But the thing about the women's division is that you'll have a lot of these girls with three, four, five losses. We look at Shevchenko, she's the second-best women fighter. She has like four losses on her record. You know what I mean? So it's like the women's division is so tight that you're going to see these losses. But, so that's why I'm not, I'm not super into Paige... Because I see a girl like Rebus who's done damage to Randa, like you said, and she's able to beat Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern, stand up. I mean, it's not her thing. But at the end of the day, I don't see Paige coming out of this fight looking, like I said, looking like a contender. It doesn't, it's, not, it's not for me. And I think Paige is half a foot out the door. She's just trying to make a paycheck. Damn. 
Well, I think also, uh, even though Dern might not be a stand-up fighter, uh, better at her stand-up game, she's also still a bigger body, a much bigger she frame is. than Paige Van Zandt is. So it's still a little bit more It's going to be a three-round fight, and I think it's um, going to be a split decision towards yeah. Rebus, but it'll be a, a three-round boring fight. Or Paige Van Zandt's going to be cut bloody everywhere like she was against uh, who I, a Rose. Was it Rose? When that was – it was a crazy brawl they had. Um, I'm, it was like I'm, four years sure ago. It, it was like four I'm, years I'm ago. I'm looking for. Uh, I'm calling Rebus. Ten eight round. There you go. See, there you go. We're on the, yeah. kind of, kind of on the same yeah. page here. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think one of those rounds she's gonna get. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Jessica Andrade, Rose, damn baby, Rose, man, Rose is fucking. She's a killer on the feet. Uh, Phenomenal boxing, working yeah. with Trevor Whitman. So, like, obviously, she's going to have some of the best MMA boxing as per usual. You know, she's done it all in the octagon in terms of uh, flying arm bars, winning the title. So, you know, Jessica Andrade, though, she, she's no slouch. Well, I mean, she's a champion, champion too. by beating Rose. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Oh, yeah. that so, was a rematch. So, Rose wow. is... Uh, it's another. It's again to my point about the, all these losses. You know, Rose has all these losses, but to me, she's probably the best fighter in the division. You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I'll be honest with you. I think that this is really yeah. poor fucking promotion. I think that realistically, the fact that Jessica Andrade and Rose didn't fight in the apex in the main event doesn't make sense. However, Andrade wasn't able to because she's Brazilian. Yeah, and there's exactly. a travel ban. That's why there's the issue, but dude, that should have been the main, main event. event. I mean, that's a main event. That's a five round fight. The fact that I didn't remember that this is a rematch for the belt just goes to show you how, in the lower weight divisions and in the female divisions, the UFC has just missed the boat again, man. Like Amanda Nunes fought on in 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 uh, the Gay Pride Month, and like they didn't promote shit. And then like the next month, they put out a couple of T-shirts with. With uh, the rainbows yeah, on the they decals, got, they got a lot of people like, retweeting about those uh, about those rainbows on the decals. But it was it, the UFC misses a lot of these boats when it comes to the women. They it's like they they don't really they don't pump too much money into them because they know that the money that they're going to get immediately isn't that much. And it's the same thing with Amanda Nunes when she fought Ronda Rousey. How how often did we hear about Ronda Rousey? All we heard was Ronda time. Rousey, but Amanda Nunes has this other crazy story that we should have heard about. And the UFC, and like I said, about this Rose and Jessica Andrade fight, this shouldn't be a fifth fight on a card. You know what I mean? It's a, it, right. it's a former, like you wouldn't see, if Aldo fought, um, who did Aldo get the belt from? Was it Barral? When he won the belt when? four years ago. I just brought up his name for some reason. Let's say McGregor. Uh, Aldo and McGregor, let's say they fought again. It would never be a non-co-main event. And they don't. Even, they both don't have belts. You know what I mean. So it just goes to show. It just goes to show yes, you the, the, where they favor their promotions. Where Rose is a super uh, promotable person. She's sweet. You know, she's very nice. She's she's a great fighter. She's a brawler. She always has a positive message. Why not put her at the forefront? You know what I mean. And I, it's it sucks. It really it really sucks that they're burying her on the card. Absolutely, and and another thing too is is that one of these girls are probably going to challenge for the title so why wouldn't it's, they promote it's probably them? a number one contender fight yeah. yeah that makes no sense and speaking of fights that maybe make no sense peter yan yeah this one was weird to me because it's they're it's like they want peter yan to be the champion for some reason 
And nothing against Jose Aldo. I, I don't think Jose Aldo really deserved uh, the title shot. I feel like Aljamain Sterling, I mean, even though he killed Cody Sanhagen, I think Aljamain Sterling should have got that belt, that, that, that title shot. Or maybe you do like a four, four or six-man tournament uh, to get to there. But Aldo should have fought at least once before. I mean, Cody uh, coming off of three losses, winning the way he did. Um, there's a lot of guys that we could have looked at in this division that should have got a title shot. But I think that what they're trying to do is pump up Peter Jan and, and maybe send Aldo back down the rankings and let him work his way back up. Because I think Aldo himself, he's, he's, he says he's trying to make a comeback, but I just don't feel it happening anymore. As soon as your chin goes, it never comes back. Never. Yeah, so the way I look at it is with the whole Peter Yawn thing, Peter Yawn is actually a really interesting character. Now, if you look at it, first of all, uh, Mm -hmm. Russian fighter, similar traits to Khabib in the sense of, uh, you know, smash everything in sight. And another thing, too, is that he trains in in Southeast Asia Mm -hmm. at Tiger Muay Thai. And one championship has been challenging uh, the UFC – as of lately, not in terms of the ratings, but, you know, they're trying to get in the UFC's head in terms of how much money they're throwing around to their athletes and their new hydration programs and this and that. So it's just interesting how they're really now trying to tap into that middle. Now they're in the Middle East in, in Fight Island. And then now, you know, they really want Peter Yod to be the champ. It really seems how they're just trying to get as global as possible. And they've always done better. Uh, with international fighters that are champions. They might not be uh, the most marketable, but, dude, the international fighters that are champions always have Oh, for sure. I mean, look at Weili Zhang. So, look at uh, when, when Anderson Silva was exactly. killing everybody. Uh, I mean, you can, you can go through a list. At one point, there were six Brazilian champions. Uh, I mean, they always do better. The UFC always makes more money when there's an international fighter. And they've, other than Khabib, they've never really had a Russian champion. I don't think they have. Fedor was never in the UFC. No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't no, remember. Absolutely one. not. And no, there there hasn't been. And that's why I think that also Peter Yan is a good addition because he just makes the sport a little bit more global. Uh, he makes the UFC a little bit more mainstream, perhaps in Southeast Asia. And yeah. even Volkanovski is affiliated with Tiger Muay Thai, and he's in Australia and New Zealand training under Eugene Behrman in New Zealand. You know, so like. The UFC right now is taking over in every single. They've touched. Conference. They've touched everywhere. Where, I mean, how how fast did the the rise of New Zealand and Australia come after Robert Whitaker wins his belt, and now we have Izzy, and then we have Volkanovski? It came like out of fucking nowhere. I feel like where I was like, all of a sudden, I'm like, how the fuck did we get three champions in the last two years from Australia or New Zealand? So, the the Aussie scene, I think, has been around a little bit more. Uh, a little bit longer oh, because oh, it's been of the for a long fighters. time. It's just that it's now all of a sudden we've seen these crazy fighters. Other than the, remember that Ultimate Fighter season where they had Australia versus uh, Canada. So other than them, I yeah, mean, I don't. There was only one or two of those guys that are still in the UFC, and you saw that they were good fighters, but maybe they're missing. Maybe like Australia was just like at its. Uh, they were kind of like in leather helmets, I guess we'd say we call it right where they're where they're learning. Yeah, exactly. And now it's like the road through two belts goes through the, what's the, what's the, the ocean over there? The Indian ocean? <laughs> I don't even know. But just goes through over there. And it's like fucking, it, it's, we're getting to a point now where, like you said, they're touching everywhere. There's no Canadian champion. That's fine. But there's a, there's a Chinese champion. Aus- there's an Australian champion. There's a New Zealand champion. 
plenty of Americans. There's Brazilian champions, Russia. They're all over the place, all over the place. It, it's absolutely insane. And I think that that's the advantage to Peter Jan uh, being, the, being the champion. It's just building on yeah, that exactly. expansion. And that globalization. How do you I see think the Peter fight Young's going to wrestle him and just win a five-round regular fight? Nothing crazy. I don't think Aldo's going to. I don't think Aldo's going to okay. be able to to really do what he does best with those fast punches. I think that Peter Young's going to be able to change his levels, uh, use the center of the oct- uh, abuse the center of the octagon, and then push push him to the cage. Um, it's going to be in a regular size octagon, right? Because it's going to be uh, it's not at the apex. So I mean, it's. I think that Peter Young is just going to be a five-round Khabib-style fight. Just wrestle, punch, 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 wrestle, punch, 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 wrestle. Yeah. That's interesting. I see it going oh, really? the opposite okay. way. we got to put some money on it then. No, oh, I have okay, Peter okay. Young winning. I see it going opposite way in the sense that I think he's going to Oh, really? Him. He's not going to go to the ground at all? I think he, no, I, I think he's going to try to wrestle him and, and, and mm-hmm. slow down the pace with the clinch, but I think predominantly he's going to try to piece yeah. him up on the feed. I just don't see him using his wrestling. I just see him using his boxing a little bit more. The clinch, and... the clinch is something he's going to be using a lot, though. I think he's going to use the octagon and push him against the cage and maybe abuse him from there. So throw some shoulders, throw some elbows, you know, some low leg kicks too, but... I feel, I feel like Aldo's going to come out trying to go too fast, and Peter Jan's going to slow it down a lot, and with his boxing, most likely. Okay, so it sounds like uh, his boxing and Muay Thai will prevail. I hope so. I mean, I hope so. I want him to be champion. I like the guy a lot. He's a great fighter, and he's, a, he's not a controversial guy. He's not in your face. So, I mean, I like that kind of guy that just puts his head down and does what he has to do, you know? Very, very cool. And going into the uh, co-main event, Holloway versus Volkanovski. Oh, man, it's, it's hard for me to talk about this fight because I think I'm the same with everybody else in the world where we love Max Holloway. I don't think anybody doesn't like him. Yep. But another thing with Holloway is that he had that war with Poirier. Uh, Volkanovski, Volkanovski exposed him a little bit uh, in, the, in, the other, in the, their last fight. So it's tough for me to pick Holloway, but I, I, I hate choosing going against him. So, I mean, I, I, as much as I love Volkanovski and he's, the most well-rounded fighter we've seen in a long time. And I know Henry Cejudo has been calling him out too. So post-retirement calling him out, you know, the classic. Uh, yeah, dumbest move. Yeah, yeah. Dumbest move. I'll retire, but hey, I want to fight that guy for my third belt, you know. and Dumbest move. It's so stupid. And um, so I, I don't see him uh, being able to do the same that he did against Max Holloway. I think the stage is going to be a lot bigger. We've seen it happen before with these guys where they win the belt when they weren't supposed to. And because everybody had Holloway that last fight. And then all of a sudden, their second fight is what it was supposed to be. What it was supposed to be, where Holloway is going to maybe outbox him and outlast him. And I think Holloway's really put pen to paper and focused on him. I follow him everywhere on YouTube and everything. And I see all the things he does. And he's, he's, pretty, he's a pretty intense guy. I love Max Holloway. And, he's, and I think that he's going to be able to be old Max Holloway and win this fight. It's hard for me to say that knowing what happened last fight. But I... I'm a big fan of Max Holloway, and I think that he's going to be able to – he's going to get the belt back. And he's the best He's the best champion at that weight class that we've ever seen. Ever. Right. Ever. Man, Volkanovski is an animal, though. He you know, is. Tiger, he is. Tiger, again, Tiger Muay Thai, city kickboxing, used to play uh, rugby league, mm-hmm. solid wrestler. His Muay Thai prevailed, though, in that fight, man. Like, he, he, w- he was piecing up Holloway big with the low kicks. He needed to switch stances. And when Holloway went to southpaw – he just couldn't get anything going, really. I noticed that, too. And it was uh, – but the thing about Volkanovski is that those leg kicks, they worked, right? 
Uh, yep. They worked. They worked early too. And he, if he has to continue using them, if he like, I think everybody's gonna start using. I mean, gonna start. It's it's become such a thing now. The low calf kick, the low leg kick. We hear it all the time, right? Dumbest thing. It's been around forever. Yeah, and people are just starting to use it now. So uh, that's that's the key for him because Max Holloway, even though he's very loose, he's also he, he's also very heavy on his feet, and yes. he he loves he loves to throw hands and he plants his feet and goes bang one two one two one two. And then he'll try something. He'll try a different combination, but he doesn't really throw kicks. Well, Volkanovski does throw the kicks, and he is a good wrestler. So Holloway, his game plan is going to have to adjust to that, and I'm sure it is, you know. But yeah, like yeah. you said, Holloway he, just tried to use his boxing, yeah. and Holloway's super heavy on the front foot all the time. So when you get a guy who's shorter, stockier, and has solid wrestling, he's utilizing those low leg kicks against you being heavy on the front mm-hmm. foot. When Holloway goes, um, to try to return a kick because Volkanovski has a lower center of gravity, bro. He's just going to catch that kick and take him down. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much, it's exactly what I just pictured as you were talking about it. He's just going to catch it and then just, and shoot. And it's more, I, I, I think that with, when you look at a Holloway, like you said, he's heavy on that front foot. He loves the box because he's a brawler where Volkanovski is not a brawler. And if, if Volkanovski doesn't enter that brawl, uh, what's Holloway going to do, you know? So I think Holloway needs to really change his game plan and really focus on w- what he can do differently as opposed to what he's been doing in the past that's worked. Did Holloway take gears off of his fight game fighting Dustin Poirier? I think he did, yeah. That was a bad fight for him. I mean, I liked it because I like both fighters. Both of them, that, that whole positive message that I like. You know, I mean, as much as I like, like, the guys who talk shit and Diaz and stuff, like the Diaz brothers, my favorite fighters, but... When you, you, I love Poirier and Holloway because they're both great fighters, great champions, and they, they just they're good guys, you know. And they went out there and they fucking brawled. And I think it took, a, I think it took a couple of years off of Holloway's career for sure, right? Because Poirier is much know. bigger than he is, much bigger. I, I, I don't know, man. I just kind of also think that Poirier, um, although he was on a super big winning streak, mm-hmm. and although he's a really, really good fighter, I just don't think he's a household name enough where it was worth the ass kicking. It's a good point, but I think they both made some nice coin on that. I think they did absolutely. A they did absolutely. a favor to the UFC for that. I for think sure. Holloway did, yeah, for sure. But put it to let me put it to you like this: like if Volkanovski is not fighting for the 145 pound belt, meaning like fighting for the title in his division, mm-hmm. ain't, ain't nobody asking him to fight a super fight up a weight class. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I agree 100. percent You know, same. so that's why I just felt you know it's like all right, like I get it on the Poirier thing, but it, nobody's asking him to come to 170. Oh, you know, right. and but is he, would he be able to fight at 170? He's kind of short, no? I don't, I don't think so. I I'm, think that 155 is 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 the right weight for him, and is the right weight for his opponent, Daniel Hooker. Oh man, Dan Hooker is a fucking a monster. He's a good fighter. A He's very a very good fighter. Good fighter. Uh, a lot Dan of hype, Hooker's, though. A lot of hype. Listen, let me break it down to you, my dude. Um, when I was in Thailand. Uh, I, I was, I made friends with a guy named Mark Abelardo. He's a 135 pounder in one FC okay. and he grew up in New Zealand and was on the same circuit as like Adesanya, Dan Hooker, Kai France, and like all of these guys, they would, you know, they, they were affiliated gyms, but not like necessarily, I believe a part of the same gym. I think those guys were city kickboxing mm-hmm. and my buddy was with a gym called strike force and it just really seems like the New Zealand fighters are very similar to the Irish in the sense that they really fucking get behind their fighters and their local pro circuit in their eyes is really competitive and sick. 
But like from like an American or North American or global standpoint, they're like, eh, it's not really that competitive. Like Cage Warriors in England or, or England shows in England are put on better. So kind of what I was getting to is, is how you said Dan Hooker's really good. But that but is, is that he, he's got a country behind him. Okay, so he's got that support. But the but is, is that he's not Conor McGregor. That is the but. A lot of people try to be, you know, and it's and it's it comes. The message is coming from so far down, you know, and Dan Hooker hasn't. Re- what's he what's he really done to be able to call his own shots like he's trying to do, you know, and but you're right about that. They do get behind their fighters. And as soon as there's one guy that's good, you're going to hear about him from that circuit for sure. Right. And that's now, what, that's what Dan Hooker. Is. Yeah. Right. Now, I get what you mean, though. Like, who is he to say, like, whatever? I get it, man. But he's got to do something. Don't get fed and you got to do something. But at the same time, like when Conor McGregor fucking headlined Diego Brandau at UFC Dublin, he buried him. Yeah. Okay. Some people are telling me that Paul Felder beat Dan Hooker in, in, in Auckland. I'm sorry, man, but like, you know. It was a good fight, but I don't. It, it's, it, he's a good fight. Like, I don't know. Like, I sound like I'm hating now. I sound like <laughs> I'm hating. I think Dan Hooker's a good fighter. I think that he deserves Poirier. Yeah. I just think what I'm saying is, is that, you know, uh, the Aussies, uh, the Kiwis, the Irish, the English, a lot of these international countries, uh, a lot of these international fighters are so prideful about where they come from. And when they get that nation behind you, it's like you really feel their momentum. But when the momentum and the action in the ring don't necessarily align, you're kind of scratching your head a little because when you have a nation behind you, you're expecting fireworks. Exactly. You're expecting Conor McGregor. So the thing with Conor McGregor is that he's he's he was able to make a name for himself. He was the first guy to really do that. I mean, you can look at Chael Sonnen, whatever, but he, like you said, he buried Brandau, and Brandau had was a really he was he was on and up. You know, he was coming up. And he had a name behind him. He had people that were following him and things like that. So everybody, I respected Diego Brandau. I thought Brandau would actually give Conor McGregor a good fight, and it didn't happen. Conor McGregor talked his way into everything. And, but the problem now is that there's too many people doing it. We saw Colby. Now we're looking at Dan, Hug, Dan Hooker. How, how are they going to – they haven't done enough to be able to just call their shots. And I think that too many people are calling their shots now. What I do like that's happening in the, in the fight game is that – People are know that he he's next. So, example, uh, what was it? Who did Paul Felder call out in the middle of, in uh, in the interview? Uh, when he was after he Dan Hooker? No, no, it, he was he was doing commentary, and then he shook the guy's hand. He was he was interviewing him in the ring, and the guy called him out, and then they decided to fight each other. Was it Dan Hooker? Yeah, it was. It, it was, was Dan Hooker. Okay. So I like things like that, like you know, where two fighters know that they have to meet, but instead of the Conor McGregor, I'll fight you, I'll fight you, I'll fight you, I'll fight you, and then whoever gets me the most money, I'll be able to fight. That's the problem. And I think that Dan Hooker might be falling into that trap where he thinks that he might be a bigger name than he is. Uh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, the problem is is that we're seeing this happening to Jorge Masvidal, but we the people feel that Masvidal is worth the buck. So... You know, when guys like Masvidal or John Jones are having issues with the UFC in terms of how much they want to get paid, and then, you know, you have other guys like Dan Hooker or whatever it is, and they're kind of asking for that dough, it's kind of like, all right, dude, like, relax, man. You're, you know, you got a co-main event against a top guy in Poirier. 
if we look at your career, you've been basically complaining about not getting a top-ranked opponent for a long time. So, like, why don't we focus on this now? Yeah. Um, yeah, so now he's fighting poor. He's fighting number one. He's fighting number one contender. So, for me, he's, he's, this is his opportunity to really make his name for himself. A hundred percent. It's yeah. uh, For me, I'm kind of looking at it like an all-or-nothing thing because I think that once Poirier wins this fight, he's going to be heavily in the mix again, especially um, if Gaethje... Uh, beats Khabib or they have like a competitive fight. So I think that whoever wins this fight is going to kind of really carry along into the lightweight division because it's going to generate fresh blood. And another thing too is, is that maybe one of these guys will fight Conor McGregor again. And I'll oh, be honest what? with you, if I'm Conor McGregor, I'm licking my fucking lips to have Dan Hooker win. Oh, for sure, because he's going to talk his way out of his mental, out of his mental capacity to be able to, to be able to, to, to fight Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor is going to talk shit to this kid that he hasn't done really done anything. And I'm, I'm looking at maybe Dan, maybe Dan Hooker, if he wins this fight and he wins it by KO or something, maybe he gets lined up with Ferguson. I mean, there's, there's in this division, there's so many fights to be made, and that's that's the interesting part about that lightweight division. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Personally, I think that if, if, if Hooker beats Poirier in devastating fashion, if I'm McGregor, I'm licking my lips because styles make fights. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, uh, that's exactly the case. Let's get to, the, uh, let's get to that main event. Kamaru Usman and Gilbert Burns. How do you feel about the whole situation with Masvidal, Colby Covington, Leon Edwards, uh, Tyrone Woodley? Let's talk about the welterweight division. Yeah. And then let's talk about uh, who do you think is going to win the fight between the two guys. So I'll tell you who's going to win the fight. I think we all know it's going to be Usman. Uh, as much as I'm a jiu-jitsu guy and I've been watching Gilbert Burns for the last 10 years, uh, I'm a big fan. I just think that he fought his best fight against Woodley, and that's all, it, that's all he had. I think that he's, he showed everybody what he can do. That's the max he can do. And I don't see him dethroning a guy like Usman. You know what I mean? Where, right. Gilbert, where Gilbert Burns, I don't think Usman's going to take him to the ground because Gilbert Burns is so dangerous off his back. Um, I just, I also see, I also see uh, Usman just outboxing Gilbert Burns. I mean, I know Gilbert Burns comes from a good camp, a good striking camp um, under uh, Hooft over there. Oh, is it Hooft? Yeah, well, they yeah. train together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't see Burns. That's why I got confused because I'm like, wait. Doesn't Usman train under Hooft? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't see Burns really getting the upper hand on Bur- on uh, Usman. I don't think. I think this fight was we need a title shot for Usman. Take the next guy that's going to take the cheapest amount of money because Ma- it's a shame that Masvidal fell into this negotiation. Uh, it's a shame that Usman already beat Colby, Leon Edwards. I mean, I don't think he was title shot uh, worthy. No. Uh, who else do we have? I mean, you want to throw what other names do we have? Wonder Boy. Oh, Wonder. I, I mean, I've always been. On Wonder Boy's dick, so for me, like Wonder Boy is he's the man, you know. So okay. he should he should be fighting uh, a guy like Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns should have fought Wonder Boy to get that title shot. Wonder Boy to me is the guy to is you measure your success against a guy like Wonder Boy. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I'd like to see Wonder Boy now fight Leon Edwards. Yeah, that'd be nice too. You know, I mean Leon Edwards is a, he's a good fighter. Uh, I think that'll be uh, not the most exciting fight, but I think that that's a good fight to make as well. The only thing now um, with Usman, Usman, let's say he'll most likely beat Burns. What happens with Masvidal? To me, right. Masvidal, Masvidal was never, I mean, as much as I love Masvidal, you know, he's, he represents everything that you should like about the sport. He's a guy that came from not much. 
he really fought his way to the top, literally. Uh, yes, sir. One flying knee and one three-round fight against the punch-drunk Nate Diaz. And he's, uh, he's asking for the world. And I think he, his, his name deserves more money. But to the UFC's defense is that we just negotiated a contract with this guy. And he's asking for more money. What do we, what do, we do? You know, I, I, we're not going to just get, cave in and give this guy money when we don't have money to work with because we're not able to put on fights as, as much as we want and in big stages <laughs> like we want. So Masvidal, I think he, 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 he's like, listen, if I don't get the money I want, I'm out. Smart for him, but it's, you're making zero money or you're making the money you already agreed to. So it sucks that Masvidal-Usman would have been a nice fight to watch um, or even Masvidal-Edwards, you know, um, since we saw the three-piece in the soda. And that, would have been, that would have been a good fight to watch. But it's, it's unfortunate because we're not seeing uh, the championship fight that we should be seeing. And right. we could talk about Colby too, Colby is one fight away from a championship fight to me. Colby is yeah, the number of course. Colby's the number. Of he's the second best fighter in the division. You know? Exactly. And, and that's the guy that I would look to see. I'd like to see him against Wonder Boy, actually. That'd be a nice fight. Right. Okay. Well, you touched up on a lot of things there, so I'm gonna circle back. Um, Usman, uh, regarding Gilbert Burns fighting his best fight against Tyron Woodley, you're absolutely right, but Tyron Woodley uh, is not you know, is not Kamaru Usman. No. So I don't think that – so I agree with what you're saying. I don't think that Gilbert Burns is going to have it for Usman. I think that Usman is kind of entering that next class in terms of who he is as a champion yeah. uh, in the welterweight division. So I think Usman is, is, is going to uh, – first of all, this fight's not going to go to the ground. This is a classic, classic case of two high-level grapplers yeah. deciding to stand up instead of trying to focus on uh, uh, bringing the fight to the ground. That's what's guaranteed going to happen. And the thing is, with the whole Masvidal thing, is you're right about, about if you look at it in, in hindsight, what he did is not really worth how much money he's asking for. But in the moment when you're riding that high, I could see how a lot of folks could get distracted in terms of thinking that. Oh, for sure. Um, for and sure. ultimately... Masvidal, look, Masvidal's got a lot of big fights ahead of him. I think that he's going to bite the bullet eventually. Because the way to. I look at it is, dude, is that there are still fights to make in Colby Covington and Leon Edwards. And maybe I'm stupid. Maybe I'm missing something here. But if you are negotiating for a title fight, I get why you're shooting, I get why you're shooting your shot. Yeah. This is supposed to be the most prestigious promotion for the most prestigious belt, give you the most prestigious paycheck. But if you're fighting for a title fight, you automatically get more money. Correct. However, when you're not fighting for a title fight, don't you understand that the implications mean that you should earn less money? Yes. So hopefully when they rebring the contract to Masvidal and it's not for a non-title fight and it's for a non-title fight, hopefully he realizes uh, – why he's getting paid what he paid what he gets paid with a little bit of an increase and we can move on with our lives. Absolutely. And I mean, as I think he deserves a little bit more because the amount of uh, eyes that he brings to the table, the, to the, to the fights and he should get market value. And it just sucks that we're not seeing the best fights. Like I said, and we're, and Woodley, like you said, like you mentioned about Woodley and Burns, I said it before Woodley half in half out, you know, he's not the fighter Big that time. we saw. We're not the fighter that we saw against Robbie Lawler. He's not the fighter we saw against Josh Koscheck. I mean, ever since that second Wonder Boy, even the first Wonder Boy fight. I mean, well, I'll I, tell you the difference. The difference is, is that when you watch Robbie Lawler, uh, when you watch Tyron Woodley that beat Robbie Lawler, uh, that beat uh, the gentleman you just named before after Robbie Lawler, Wonder when Boy. you watch that, he's constantly coming forward. 
Okay. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Tentative backing up, wondering what Woodley is going to do in terms of explosiveness. You watch Woodley fight against Ty- uh, Rory McDonald. You watch him fight against Wonder Boys. Safe. You watch him fight against his last fight against Gilbert Burns. When he is backing up to the cage, he has this weird game plan where as soon as his back foot touches the cage, he'll explode with the right hand. But the way he was throwing his right hand against Gilbert Burns was as if he was playing baseball with his son. And Exactly, yeah, exactly. And, and I think that the shoulder surgery didn't help him. Uh, he fights, he always fights like he's, he's up three rounds. No matter what round he's in, he'll always fight like he's up three rounds and I'm just going to take these off and I'll be a counter. He's a counter puncher and he's a great counter puncher. Was a great counter puncher, I'd say. But now it's got to the point, like you said, he's predictable. If you're a fighter and you're going up against Woodley, back him up, back him up until the cage and then just head movement and you won't, you'll be fine. Push him up against the cage, you'll be fine. And it sucks for Woodley because he used to complain about the UFC uh, not, not promoting him and all these things. But at the end of the day, you, you didn't help yourself in any way. Yeah, I agree. It seems as if he got distracted with other things. And the thing is, too, though, I don't really care whether or not he got distracted with other things. My dude, you saw what happened in UFC 205 uh, when he was fighting Wonder Boy, I believe it was. He couldn't get Madison Square Garden behind him. Exactly. At, at the Knicks Arena. He couldn't get it done. Yeah. He couldn't. He couldn't gravitate. He couldn't grasp. And, you know... Listen, at the end of the day, Tyron Woodley is, is, is a great fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is, is in the UFC, the why me stuff doesn't really work with a lot of guys. There's only a pinch of salt of guys that could get away with the why me spiel. And it's not like he was this crazy promoter uh, and whatever to the point where he's complaining to Dana about not being promoted and calling everybody racist that, that goes against him, you know, and... It was just it didn't make sense what he was doing. It's like he's shooting himself in the foot, and then he gets put against Gilbert Burns, and he doesn't do anything. Like, who, like you're just proving everybody right, you know, at this point. And it's it's unfortunate because I was a Woodley fan after that Josh Koscheck fight. I was a huge Woodley fan, and then when I saw him that unanimous draw against Wonder Boy, I gave Wonder Boy both fights right. against him. And right. I mean, I like I, I maybe it's because of I have a Wonder Boy bias, like I mentioned before. I'm I'm huge on Wonder Boy. I think he's one of the best fighters I've ever seen, like technique wise. Anyway. And it's just it, it sucks that he's he he was complaining after that he didn't get the win he got the unanimous draw or whatever it was right you didn't do enough right you didn't do enough and you haven't done enough for the last five fights and that's yes, why that that is that's that's definitely something that I could agree on and uh, funny thing about Stephen Thompson is my buddy uh, from Beyond the Fight Andy had. Uh, the Thompson family on the show. Oh, nice. That's good. Yeah. He had uh, his father, his brother, and Steven. They were on the show, and they did a collective interview. It was crazy. Oh, I love it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a good guy at Wonderboy. You can tell, man. He's, he's, uh, he's, what, you, he's what you want, you know? He's, yeah, genuine guy, genuine family. Yeah, uh, you, want, you want your daughter to bring home a guy like that. They can defend her, and he'll be a nice guy. Yeah, 100%. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so... That's pretty much, you know, UFC 251. I don't want to cover all of the cards because I have covered, uh, I did cover most of the fights on the previous episode, on episode three. So, you know, if anybody wants to go back on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, they could circle back to that. But how do you, how do you kind of feel about uh, combat sports now in general, now that we're entering the, or we're now kind of maybe getting out of the COVID era? You know, like, how, how are you feeling as a fight fan 
with MMA and boxing? Like, do you feel like we're getting everything delivered to us? Uh, uh, are we spoiled? Are we not spoiled? Are we getting gypped? And how do you feel about the differences between, you know, MMA and boxing in terms of how they serve us uh, our plate? I love that we're spoiled when it comes to MMA. And I love that Dana White and the UFC have managed to, to, to keep us, uh, to stop us from stomping our feet and crying because we don't have any sports to watch. You know? So it's like, I, I love what they're doing. And it's a huge shot missed by, the, uh, by boxing, by the boxing community and the organizations. Like Bob Arum coming out, talking shit about Dana White, saying it's not safe to put on these fights, all this stuff. It's just because you don't know how to do it. And that's the problem with boxing is like top rank then ended up putting on a fight recently with yeah. Shakur Stevenson. And apparently their ratings blew. It, it, why? Because they don't promote it. I'm a boxing fan and I didn't even watch it. I didn't know about it till the day of, you know what I mean? Yeah, me and too. Exactly. So it, it just to say, it's like, what are they doing? What are you doing to promote your engine? And they haven't really put any oil into the engine to be able to do anything. And it's just, all they do is they're always comparing themselves to MMA, but they don't Absolutely. do, they don't do anything well, to try they're, the jealous, they're the jealous ex-girlfriend, unfortunately, boxing. This, and this, and, this and they're making a comeback, though. They're making a comeback boxing in terms of surpassing maybe or grasping MMA fans' interest. Boxing oh, sure. is, you know, is, is coming back in. It's like, you know, that girl you haven't seen in a while, and then you're like, oh, okay. But, you know, the thing is, is that when we talk about the biggest fights in boxing – it's very difficult to even go down the ranking systems and explain to somebody who the next guy in line is. It's hard because you stop at like three guys. Like the fact, that, the fact that Ryan Garcia and Henry Cejudo is a possibility to me is nuts because Ryan, Ryan, nuts. Ryan Garcia is like the fastest hands I've ever seen in my life. And he's going to go up against a guy who's, who only fought amateur boxing is beyond me. The, the whole Maymac thing was fun to watch. I watched it. I paid for it. It was great. The whole promotion. It, if anything, it did. It wasn't good for boxing. It was good for the UFC and the MMA and the MMA community, but it was not good for boxing. So I'll, I'll tell you why it wasn't bad for boxing. Okay. Why it wasn't bad for boxing is is that it didn't continue to happen. It's a very good point. That's Absolutely. why it wasn't bad for boxing. Okay. It uh, like look. Let me tell you something. The McGregor Mayweather fight was like ecstasy. Anything <laughs> after that. Ain't really that sick. I'm sorry, but like you cannot get to that pinnacle of interest. I know that the boxing community knew that Floyd was going to have it in the bag. But even if you were a stupid, blindsided MMA fan thinking McGregor was going to win, it was better that way. It was better that way. I mean, you you went into the fight thinking that we had something here. I know so many boxing fans are like, oh, Mayweather's going to win every round. I said, he'll probably lose the first three rounds minimum and he did he ended up losing the first three rounds because he's just waiting to see what mcgregor was going to do and he played the rope of dope and he did the whole thing i thought it was stopped a little bit too early but we knew mayweather was going to be able to come back and win that fight there was no problem but i I just don't see the reason why i think that boxing lost was because mayweather is half in half out all the time you know what i mean like he's he's like i'm retired but i'm not you know, I'll fight you, but I'm like, I'm retired. So you have to pay me the right amount of money or whatever it is. So to me, it's like you're fighting against the guy who's kind of at the end of his career, as opposed to fighting him or doing this at the prime. If you, it's not like we're, it's not like Muhammad Ali. And uh, what was the name of that, that, that Chinese uh, wrestler, Japanese wrestler back in the day? I have the book somewhere here, actually. 
Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, Inoki, Inoki, Alin Inoki. It's not the yeah. same. It's not the same thing as that. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's almost. It was a great boxing fight because McGregor's a great boxer, but it became this whole thing like who's, who, what style is better? But it's not which style is better because they're fighting boxing. The reason why it wasn't good for the boxing community is only because Mayweather isn't the best boxer. You know what I mean? He was. Yes. He's the best of all time to me. I think he's the best boxer yeah. ever lived. But he's not the best current boxer. If you had a guy like, let's say, uh, Javante Davis fighting against Henry Cejudo, then there's something that I can get behind and say, okay, this is the two the two styles clash, and let's see what happens. But it just that's why I feel like boxing kind of lost it. It didn't do any damage to them. I disagree with you. Okay, I disagree with you again. I actually think that Javante Davis versus Henry Cejudo is a way bigger mismatch than McGregor versus than than. Than Mayweather, and the reason why I say that is, is because Floyd was still smaller yeah. and was still inconsistent in terms of the training. That's I just true. think that the fighting styles in terms of boxing and 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 MMA is different in the sense that let me tell you something: when Gervonta Davis throws that uh, that beautiful left uppercut from Southpaw, mm-hmm. he is going to fucking starch Cejudo, and Cejudo could not go for a takedown. You know, that's a, that's a very good point. McGregor can't either, but McGregor didn't win a gold medal in the Olympics. That's a good point. So take take away Cejudo and throw in a guy like Cody Garbrandt in there, who's probably the best boxer in the UFC. Sure. And maybe the, maybe we have a conversation that when Cody Garbrandt won his belt and kind of thing like that, just to give you a, a comparison of relativity. And it's, it's that's where that's where I'm at. Is I feel like it was it was it was the McGregor show more than anything else. And it was I can Absolutely. do I can do what I want. Absolutely. I'm going to beat up Malinagi and not give out the full story. Uh, I'm going to do whatever I want. And this is all McGregor. And Mayweather's like, fuck it. I'll make $300 million and I'll beat this guy. No problem. Absolutely. I, I, I honestly, man, I love the buildup to it. I love the whole beef with Pauly. I heard uh, rumblings from, from John Cavanaugh once McGregor's coach that they were going to build a Netflix series around the Malinagi beef. Oh, wow. I don't think that's ever going to happen because I think that they've missed the boat on it already. I think yeah, nobody really cares about. Like, let's be real, dude. Like once in a while, you're scrolling YouTube and you see that Mayweather and McGregor fought, and you're like, "What?" Like, you know what I mean? You kind of forget about it. It's something that when you watch, like personally for me, when I watch it, the reason why I love watching the fight is because McGregor won the first few rounds. At least it's like, all right, like there's a little bit of something here. Now, I, I knew, I'm sure you knew also, I knew that McGregor was going to win a round. I agree with you. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I wanted to touch up on before, bro, is that your buddies who said that, oh, uh, Floyd, your boxing fan friends have said that Floyd was going to come out and win the first few rounds. Uh, I'm sorry, but if you watch Floyd fight, guy is easily okay with giving up five, even six, six rounds, rounds to yeah, Marcos Maidana exactly, the first time they exactly. fought. Yeah, it's very true. He gives up the rounds because he knows because he knows he's going to be able to survive. He's the only guy who's fought 50 fights that isn't even remotely punch drunk. There's a reason to that. There are multiple reasons for that. One of the reasons is, is, is defensive. But yeah. let me tell you something about Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather takes care of his body like Bernard Hopkins in the sense that uh, he treats his body like a temple and he's very militant. Uh, yes, Floyd eats a bunch of shitty fast food and loves candy and sugar and blah, blah, blah. But what I really mean by that is, is that Floyd has go fuck yourself money and has been in some pretty crazy situations where most people probably wouldn't even make it out that night. You know what I mean? Oh it's yeah, the, for sure. The parties and the drugs and the girls and the this and that the average folk would probably die of a heart attack just of the stimulation of what Floyd has been around. So 
the guy is just an absolute machine. He's absolute machine. That's why I say he's the best boxer of all time. I mean, you can throw Mike Tyson's name in there, you know, maybe Sugar Ray Leonard or whoever. But at the end of the day, Mayweather is undefeated and he did it without getting punched, barely getting punched in the face. Exactly. And that's also why what I think is really sick about Floyd is that when you're watching the old school fighters in terms of George Foreman, Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, Fuck, even like Tommy Morrison, yeah, uh, you know, Lennox Lewis. Maybe not so much Lennox Lewis, Tyson, Holyfield. A lot of these guys, man, took their fucking beatings. Oh, yeah. They took their beatings, man. So when you look at the landscape in terms of how Floyd ended his career, it's just, it's just phenomenal. It's, it's impressive the way – I mean, ended his career. We never know, right? I mean, it can happen tomorrow. He can fight somebody tomorrow, but – I don't think he. I don't think his career is over. I think that he's just taking a break until he decides not to fight anymore. But yeah, just to say, just back to your point, it's it's more of what did you do during your career to be able to take care of your own body? And Floyd, I mean, we can make fun of him all he wants, like you said, the fast food and all that shit. But he really took care of himself, and he took care of himself in the right way. Absolutely. But back, so- back to your point before we were talking, and you mentioned it. How do you? How do I think that boxing versus MMA and whatever the rivalry? It reminds me of that interview that Joe Rogan did with DiBella. You remember that one? Yes. Where they started yelling at each other. And, and Joe Rogan's telling him, your sport is getting swallowed. And he's, he's right. Their sport's getting swallowed because they're too close-minded. They're too, they're too old-school boxing. They, they, they don't – I mean, we're, we're waiting for a Wilder Fury 3 fight when he beat him twice. Why do we care about that? Fury, Fury should be fighting whoever the fuck he wants. Wilder had to fight uh, – uh, sorry, Wilder had to fight. Uh, Joshua had to fight a no-namer twice to get some traction and be able to to be able to consider himself a, ch- a challenger for Fury. For and, sure, and that's what I'm saying. Is like the boxing. I mean, as much as the heavyweight division is finally back to what it was before, boxing is really it's so top-heavy. Where MMA is, I can watch a Bellator card, and you're going to see world-class fighters the entire way through. Yes, that I agree with. Um, obviously, I think that one of the things with boxing is is that the reason why they have to put smaller undercards is because the main event's purses are so big exactly. that they can't really afford to pay everybody else. But another thing where boxing kind of drops the ball is is that um, we don't always get necessarily the best fights because, you know, in the way promoters work with fighters is that you could build up to your glory but with building up to glory, you might not necessarily always get all of the money. So in terms of building up your legacy and like, you know, glorifying your yourself in the Hall of Fame, you kind of still have to take a lot of those cash money pit stops. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, in MMA, it's like there's no real cash money pit stops. It's, so it's like glory fight after glory fight. Whereas in boxing, there are so many pit stops because it's like, hold on now. You already have a name. You only fight twice a year anyways. You have another five years in the bank. We're just going to build you, man. Exactly. I mean, and that's where boxing fans get fucked. They get fucked because they don't see the best fights all the time. They see whatever. And because they can, there's too many, there's too many organizations in boxing. I mean, as much as I like, uh, there's too many organizations and there's too many divisions. I mean, I don't really know who all the champions are anymore. Like I see, I hear this guy's a champion. Like for real, who did he beat? You know what I mean? Like when did he, when did he win that belt? And it's like, it throws me off because I don't really know who's who. I can name you every champion in the UFC. Why? I can name right. you half the well, champions in Bellator. Why? Because so one of, the reasons, one of the reasons that being is, is that a lot of the times, um, 
Yes, they do have a lot of weight classes and they have a lot of sanctioning bodies. I think that it's chill because it's obviously been working for the, this many years. I don't have a problem with there well, being that many weight classes. because nobody's contended it, right? I mean, the weight classes I can, I can get behind because of weight cutting. I'm, you know, obviously, you don't want guys to cut too much weight like they do in the UFC. But, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's, the weight cutting is fine, but there's too many organizations. You don't know who's who. So let me tell you the problem. The problem is, is that remember when Tyson Fury won all five belts against Klitschko and then they said, okay, man, well, now you have to do like a mandatory rematch against some guy for the IBF title. Yeah. And Fury said, fuck that. I'm fighting Klitschko again. They said, okay, well, we're taking that belt. So a lot of the times what happens is, is that guys move up one or two pounds and they pick up a belt and then they, you know, they end up vacating the title because they move back down or they yeah. get the title taken away from them. And then another thing that doesn't make sense is, is that the WBA has super champions, regular champions, yeah. undisputed champions. And then the WBC has silver champions. And I'm sorry to tell you, I'm sorry to tell fight fans this, but most of them don't even know who Dillian White is. And he's the guy who's tipped real, realistically next in line for Tyson Fury's WBC belt. And that's, the, that's a problem because he's a sick fighter. He's a very sick fighter. <laughs> he's been put on the shelf for a while, and he did boxing a favor. Yeah. He took a fight um, on Joshua's undercard in Saudi Arabia mm -hmm. against uh, – a big Polish opponent. His name escapes me. He's been around for a super, super long time. That's why. And, that's the first time I heard of him. And and like for the most part, most guys didn't even don't even know don't even know who he is. Mm -hmm. And like Dillian White went into that fight over three hundred pounds, and he's been working really hard over the last few years to get down to about a trim 250, 260. So you know, like guys putting his neck out there to get this title shot and. I said on my last show, if you clicked on the article for the announcement for Fury and Joshua, yeah. first of all, apparently these guys are going to hold up the heavyweight division for maybe three years. Oh, my God. Thanks and second of all, there's, uh, Fury has to fight Wilder before anything. It doesn't make sense. Why does he have to fight him? Why is because that in the, the rematch? No, the rematch is going to be the third fight. You, there is no rubber match when you lose twice. You know uh, what I mean? I get that, but it, the first fight was a draw. I mean, was it a draw? Oh, yeah, it was a draw. I'm an idiot. You're right. Yeah, the first fight was a draw. It's because I, I had Fury winning the fight. That's well, of course. Yeah, everybody <laughs> did. I mean, who the fuck gets knocked out, knocked down, and then wins the rest of the round? That's crazy. So, so just, let me, let me ask you, who, uh, so who inspires you when you're watching boxing? Who are, who are your guys? Who do you root for? You know, try to give me like three to five names. Try to give me like five names. Uh, the Charlo brothers, both of them. Ryan Garcia. Uh, Fury. Um, I used to be on Javante Davis guy, but after he fought against um, um, who was his last fight? Was it Jack? Was it Badu Jack? Who's that? No, Badu Jack just lost to um, what's his name? To our boy, uh, the Montreal guy. What the? Jean Pascal. So yeah. I'm trying. To, I used to be a Javante Davis guy. So I think the Charlo brothers, Garcia, Fury. Those are the guys that I, I like to watch. I've, ever since I saw Ryan Garcia, uh, like a video of him on Instagram hitting a bag, I was like, I'm sold on this kid. I've watched every single fight. He fought him on Montreal, yeah, yeah. you yeah, know, yeah. like the whole thing. So I'm, I'm sold on Ryan Garcia. Uh, Jarrell Charlo, to me. Right. I think, oh, and we got to talk about the best pound for pound. Why am I drawing a fucking blank? I can't even think now. It's getting late tonight. Oh, my God. Oh, Terrence Crawford. <laughs> Terrence Crawford's an animal. Terrence Crawford's the best fighter in the world. Like, pound for pound, I think yes, he's the he best is. fighter in the he's world. The best fight. He's the best fighter in the world right and has, now. Absolutely. And he has such a, he has such a, 
uh, a good mindset, you know, and he good mindset, yeah. well-grounded guy trains out in Colorado. So he's not distracted or any of that bullshit. Great. Uh, he could fight Orthodox, could fight Southpaw, 140 pounder. He's an animal. So those are the guys that I watch. I mean, I'll watch every fight that they do, uh, but I'll watch. I mean, if, if boxing is on, I'll, I'll pretty much watch it if, if I'm not doing anything. But that's the thing is I plan my Saturdays around the UFC. I won't plan my Saturdays around a boxing fight or a Friday night. And another thing, the, the, what I don't like about boxing is that we get these, like you said before, uh, we get a Fury versus a nobody. What was the name of that guy, the Swedish guy he fought? Um, why am I? Otto? Oh, yeah. Uh, what's his first name? Oh, it was his last name. That was his first name. Wilnick? Not Wilnick. Uh, is it Wilnick? Otto I I'm not sure. But yeah, Otto something. Whatever. Exactly. So he's fighting for the belt, and we don't even really know his fucking real name. And, and Joe Tessitore was the play-by-play guy that night. And I'm watching the fight, and all he talked about was Fury's eye being cut the entire fight. Talk yeah, about that, the, that, that's... Uh, Otto Wallin. Otto, Otto Wallin, just kidding. Otto Wallin, exactly, yeah. yes. Yeah, you know, this is something that... But this is a controversial thing that we've seen in commentary for a long time. I mean, even in the Volkanovsky-Max Holloway fight, they didn't say fucking shit about Volkanovsky. Yeah. And even since, they started talking about Cormier... Uh, being able to coach guys from commentating, I found in the last event uh, that he was like talking a little bit too much. Yeah, and that's so the- you you do see like a little bit of those problems in the commentary and stuff like that. And you know what? The biggest thing with boxing is is that because it's an old school thing, because the promoters are and because the promoters and the companies that put on the shows uh, are in such close ties with the fighters it's so easy to point out the biasisms and it was so easy to point out that they didn't even bother doing their research on Otto Wallin because they knew that it was a warm-up fight. And that's so sad that people like you would never see the UFC market a fight, a title fight is a warm-up fight. Never, ever, <laughs> ever, ever, ever. And that's the thing about boxing. Like you said, it's back to our point about it being top heavy and how they're not giving the cookies to the little guys, you know? And well, I'll, if you watch an entire boxing card, you'll see it's, it's basically a pro-am because you have guys that are fighting uh, three rounds, six rounds, ten rounds, and then it moves up all the way. So you're seeing – if you watch the entire thing, you'll see like a bunch of good fighters that are coming up, but nobody really watches that. And it's a shame because they pull – their bigger fights pull bigger numbers in the UFC individually. So right. Yes, yeah, so because there's more boxing fans in the world than there is MMA fans, which is normally normal. But at the end of the day, UFC is – to me is more successful well, – MMA is more successful – than boxing is for the reason that they have, they've marketed their fighters properly. Yes. They know how to gravitate a new fan. I could guarantee you that if you were going to find a combat sports fan in 2020, they are gravitating towards MMA before boxing. I could find you five fucking people before one boxing. Yeah, it's true. And it's, it's another point is it's the same thing with baseball and, 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 and team sports is that baseball, Mike Trout makes $400 million dollars. If you want to talk about the top 50 most famous athletes, he's not even there and he's the highest paid. It's yeah. unbelievable. So, and there's mostly basketball players and football players. And they're not – baseball players aren't recognizable, but they make this crazy amount of money. Baseball, right. baseball is the boxing of team sports. It's true. It's absolutely true. So those are your favorite fighters. So that's pretty cool. And for me personally, I'm riding with Canelo. Oh, Canelo, yeah. It's true. Caleb Plant. Oh, nice. Anthony Joshua. Tyson Fury. Um, I'm also a big fan of. Um, I like. Uh, I like Billy Joe Saunders. Oh yeah, for sure. 
I like um, I like Arthur Beterbev. I don't really know. I don't. I don't really. Uh, I like Manny that. Pacquiao. Oh, Fuck, yeah. I could go. I could go on forever. I, 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 I like them all. I don't care what you are. If you have a yeah. pulse, I like you. You could be <laughs> black, white, purple, green. I don't care what you are. You got a pair of gloves on you. I'll watch you. My favorite fighters of all time, though, you got to put Hercules Cabellos up there for me. He was the reason why I started boxing, and he's the reason why I continue to play at the box. Let me tell you something about Herc. I started with Herc. Um, it's going to be about a year and a half now. So I've, I haven't been with Herc uh, very, like, a long time if you look at the whole grand scheme of, like, my training history. And just in a very short amount of time, the impact that he's had on my life, I've, I've, I've spoken about him before on a previous podcast before, not on my own show, but somebody else's. But, like, this guy's the fucking man. Yeah. He's the realest guy you will ever find in your life. He's a tough coach. He's a tough character. And he's just a, he's just a tough guy overall. And the thing is about Herc that pushes me forward is that even if I'm inconsistent with my training or even if I feel that I'm not at the point where I should be, um, dude, working with Herc is one of the most empowering experiences that most fighters could have. And what I find crazy is, is that there are a lot of pro MMA fighters that have fought in the UFC even that could not hack training with Herc because Herc is so fucking stubborn on his fundamentals and his way that guys that have gotten to the dance and have gotten so far in terms of fighting in a certain way, uh, they just can't handle that. And and uh, even on my worst days when Herc's shitting on me, I always remember, I'm like, ah, you know what? A couple, Uf- a couple guys in the UFC quit. I can fucking hack this. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Herc is just uh, and it, it just uh, he's uh, an empowering person. He is, uh... He's, uh, he's a big spirit. And uh, he's kind of, you know, we... We always talk about the Grant brothers and, and stuff like that. But, you know, HKB boxing is, is, is one of the diamonds in the dirt that ain't been found, man. Oh, man. I mean, Herc is – we saw the rise that he had. He ended up signing with Don King. We can talk about the controversy and the conspiracy theories there. But I didn't, I don't, I didn't know this. What are you talking about? So he, used, he signed with Don King when he, was, when he was really coming up. Don King signed him for a few fights. And then – he kind of Don King, not I would I don't want to say screw him over, but he kind of left him. But he didn't. He couldn't really fight anybody anywhere else because Don King had him signed. So from what I, from what I gathered back then was that Herc was looking for a, a a bigger name, but he wasn't able to get it because Don King kind of took his contract and just kind of like put him to the side. So he ended up losing a fight, and it was this whole thing. And because of that, after that, he was on a couple of losing streaks, and and he and he was done. And that's what it is about boxing is that. You get these promoters that are just, they just want your money. They want your clout. And then as soon as they get it, they fuck you over. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I heard the story a little bit differently. I mean, I, I do understand that obviously promoters do play, play a role in it. Yeah. And I, I do understand to, to my knowledge, I'm, I believe that there were managerial issues, but yeah. one of the things that was uh, a big thing that they don't talk about was, was Herc's health. Exactly. Yeah, that's and, another. And you know, even when he was out in Australia training with Costa Zoo, uh, you know, former world champion who who beat up Zab Judah. I was about to say. Yeah. Um, you know, like him and Costa Zoo were fucking bangalanging. Like Herc, you know, obviously I don't need to talk for him, but like this guy is not scared of anything. Zero. You know, he's a, he's a pro fighter, but you know the thing is, is when you're getting invited to a world champion fight, I could guarantee you that fighters that get invited to Tyson Fury's camp. Canelo's camp, uh, Golovkin's camp, I could guarantee you 
that they do not have fighters in their camp like a guy like Herc that would that didn't give a fuck who 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 the world champion that invited him to him was. Exactly. In the sense that he didn't give a fuck about oh wow, he's the world champion. He's just like, all right, baby, let's do this. He's a guy with gloves on. That's that 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 that's what I think. And I think that Herc's you know, Herc's health was one of the biggest things that had had probably it was, yeah. you know had had maybe it been in the way but that is uh that is a world champion in and out of the ring guaranteed and herc is uh like you said he's a very inspirational kind of guy i mean i've I've always looked up to him as a kid he was my idol he was literally my idol people said who's your idol and i was a football player hercules and i wasn't even boxing like i just started boxing. cool man yeah because i'm a greek kid you know grew up in uh in park x and whatever so it's Herc is like he's a god in our community, you know. Yeah, so, bro, he's tangible. You could feel it. You could touch it. You, you, you know, like you're like, holy shit! Like it's like GSP, man. Like it was like, wow, the guy's from like our hood. Yeah, like, exactly. I can't believe it. So I, uh, I definitely know what you mean. And you know, the people that don't give Herc a chance, like in grants or whatever it is, because of of whatever reason, because of you know the name behind it and whatever that grants has. The, the, those people are missing out, man. Oh, big time. I think Herc is one of the premier And that's trainers. nothing against Howard or Otis. Don't oh, get no. me wrong. But Howard's like, one of the best trainers in the world. And it's like, it's known. That's for sure. But Herc, I don't, Herc does not care. Herc could be in the best mood or the worst mood. He will not let you get away with anything. Absolutely. And that, and that's, that's kind of the difference between like a, you know, a, a coach and a, and, a, and a teacher. And it's funny you mentioned that he went to TriStar and he started training all these MMA guys and they couldn't hack it. It's kind of a theory of mine about why the guys from TriStar haven't really been able to do much in the UFC other than GSP and Rory. I mean, and Rory, we've seen him kind of – Well, GSP, GSP, Rory, uh, and a couple of others back in the day, more like Pat Cote and oh, like yeah. Tom Breeze, uh, a couple of other guys. But Tom Breeze uh, they were is really another smart. guy who should have been a lot better than what he was. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, Tom Breeze was somebody who was working with Mr. Kaivalos and mm. then stopped working with him. But and that's the thing is that it's what is going on at TriStar that's not working. You know, that's that's my question. And this, I'm not I'm not really sure. And I, it's not fair for 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 me to comment. Us, yeah. But one thing that I will say is, is that it's the same thing in every gym. Um, yep. When you have one single fighter, more or less, that builds a household name. That then puts a lot of pressure on a gym and they get put under a microscope. And even a guy like Eamon Zahabi mm-hmm. got put under a, a microscope and it wasn't fair because every single fight that he had was fantastic. Every, it's just because of his last name. I mean, everybody it's knows It's just because of his last name, but he's also a skillful fighter. A great know, he, fighter. He's, he's a black belt. He's got solid Muay Thai, solid boxing. He's a southpaw, whatever it is. But it just sucks that it's like if he's not annihilating guys in the first round, it's like, ah, you know, like whatever. a lot of, a lot of people I talked to about Aman is that he has the highest IQ fighting IQ than a lot of, like, than most people and most people across the world. And it's because of his brother, because this guy, his brother can tell him and his brother has the highest IQ of anything. You Absolutely. Know what I mean? So that's what I'm saying is that what's going on at TriStar? I mean, it's with, they've had this pedigree before and now it's kind of fallen off. Are they in a rebuild? Like what's going on there? And it's very curious. And I'm not saying anything bad about them. I mean, they're very respectable. All their jujitsu guys, I, I know them pretty well. So it's like, it's what, what's going on there? Are they just focused on jujitsu? I mean, there's a few guys that have come out of there that had a lot of hype behind them. They brought in Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee didn't really do well the last couple of fights. So what's going on there? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm not hating or anything. It's just, it's, it's a question that I'm asking because I'm so proud that Montreal has this world-class gym. 
Yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I chalk it up to the fact that these guys have broken into the mainstream for a long time. And that with that, you then have to fight some pretty tough customers. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why um, in this position is because of the reputation of the gym and the promotion uh, that George St. Pierre, Rory McDonald and, and, and other stars from the gym have have kind of developed. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that, you know, it's kind of tough, but it's kind of the way she goes and every gym kind of goes in its waves. I mean, if you think about it, uh, there are plenty of gyms that we were talking about four to five years ago that we're maybe not talking about as much. But I think that TriStar is always going to be a household name. Always. The jiu-jitsu scene there is is growing. And now that they have that new Quintet thing where they're doing like team jiu-jitsu and stuff, you saw I that? mean, TriStar will always have uh, a team to put out guaranteed and a competitive one guaranteed. And even guys that fight in MMA will be able to join, which helps for spot, which helps with star power and building names and promotions and stuff like that. And, you know, um, listen, it, it, the good thing about TriStar is that it's always c- come down to the martial arts. There are obviously a couple of characters that are probably, you know, like heavy on, on social media and whatever it is, but, more so, I always felt that a lot of the guys at TriStar were, you know, were, were for the cause and for martial arts. But that's, you know, could be an intimidating environment to be in sometimes. It is. And it, I, it might be a little overwhelming or you might think that because you're going there that you're going to get you're going to be good. But you still got to put in the work. And, and that's what it comes down to. And like you said, they're always going to be a staple in Montreal. There's no doubt. And I can name you all the jujitsu killers over there, man. Like Ethan Creliston is world-class, uh, Ali Taza, world-class. Like, these guys are just, they're winning world championships every weekend, you know, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could, I've, I've trained with Taza, you know, like, these guys are, they're sick fighters, and they need to be promoted, right, and within their own right. And I feel like nobody would have known who they were, those two fighters specifically, if they didn't train at Henzo's also in the blue basement. So that there's all these little things that it's, I would love to see TriStar really get back up to the where they were when GSP was there, like the name itself. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that they will, but more so, I just think that it's important for Canadian MMA in general of to course. spring back into the UFC because it's, it's hit a pretty big drought lately. And, you know, um, I was a little bit hopeful that Jeremy Kennedy was, was going to be able to get it done mm-hmm. in the featherweight division, but yeah. he had a, he had a tough go with, uh, Alex Volkanovsky, and then they had to let him go, but he's doing his thing now in PFL, which is no. And PFL too. There's another crazy league. Did you hear about what happened with Brendan Lofton? No. So Brendan Lofton used to fight in the uh, in the UFC, or yeah. I believe he was on the Ultimate Fighter. He was, yeah. He was, and he he had to fight a friend named uh, Mike Wilkinson on the finale, and then I don't think that they re-signed him, and then he fought on the Contender series. Okay. And he was piecing this Division One wrestler up. And apparently, because he took him down in the last 30 seconds, Dana White didn't sign him. No way. And it way. was this whole controversy. And then his management ended up getting him a short-notice fight on PFL. And now he's going to be able to fight for the million. And he has a good contract per fight also. That's another thing. That's another thing with the UFC is that they do is they promote their fighters really well. But they really they shoot fighters in the foot very quickly, too. Lofton was uh, was a was a very bad uh, fighter for them to skip out on. He's a good looking kid. He's very well rounded. He already has a name in the UFC. He comes from the Ultimate Fighter, uh, so there is a little bit of promotion that they could have even used there. 
Um, and the guy's just a fucking stud killer. So but I as just soon think as, that they really missed the boat there. As soon as you say anything against the UFC, I don't know if he has or not, but as soon as, if, he, if he's butted head with Dana White in any way and he's not a household name, forget it. You're, 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 you're shot in the foot. We've seen what Dana White does, but I mean, like I said, I don't want to speculate or anything. It's just that a big fighters like Ben Askren, the reason why he never came to the UFC, well, he didn't come to the UFC all those years ago, is because he was talking shit about Dana White. We would love to have seen Ben Askren in his prime fight against GSP in his prime. Yeah. So you you say that I have a I'm I'm interested. I'm what I think about Ben Askren is that I think that the reason he stayed in one championship is a he was making dough, mm-hmm. but I also really don't think that he thought he could beat those guys in the UFC, man. Yeah, he like, kind I, of just I, like waited for his opportunity. To I don't know, like, man. Yeah. He kind of waited for his opportunity, and then like he didn't even seize it. And like I'm sorry, he has the most brutalist stand-up in the in MMA that I've ever seen in my life to the point that it's like no wonder you weren't able to evolve your striking training in one because you were just able to get away with your strengths but at the same time like yeah he you know but at the same time like he did what he did to Douglas Douglas Lima and this Mm -hmm. and that but I don't know I just feel like if he would have went to the UFC right after Bellator it would have been uh, – he would have gotten thrown to the Wolves, and that would have been that. Yeah, well, Douglas Lima, to me now, I think he, he, he's a contender in the welterweight if he comes to the UFC. Right. And, but Ben Askren back then, like you said, back then he was just a mauler. That's all he was, right? And his stand-up to this day, I don't know how it's that bad when he trains out of Rufus's gym. Yeah, well, you know what, man? People are going to stick to their strengths. I guess. But he like... doesn't necessarily train – um, all the time at Rufus's gym. And when you're only training there for camps, not always going to get better. It's usually off of training camps where you're working on your skills. Yeah, it's like I, I golf, right? And I know that I'm not going to fix my slice on the course. I'm going to fix it at the driving range. And that's what people don't realize. It's like you got to be go. there. you got to be there the entire time. And to your point, Ben Askren, he only fought, he only trained when he was going to fight. He, he wasn't a full-time trainer. Yes, that is true too. So that it's very true, and it's a, it's a shame because we could have seen Ben Askren be great if he came to the UFC and he was making this money for sure or whatever it is. But he was making bank, like you said, in one at one FC, and it's it just sucks that we I feel like we missed out on to see if he could have been that guy back then, and then we see him get KO'd by Masvidal, freak accident. Like I don't think that'll ever happen ever again, and all of a sudden we're writing him off. Even though his stand-up is, is fucking brutal, I've never seen anything like it before for a guy who's fought over 40 times for his stand-up to be uh, pro- uh, maybe a little bit better than mine. You know what I mean? And, I'm, uh, and I suck. So it's just, <laughs> it's, just, it's just to say is that it's, it's just it's unfortunate that we had this world-class fighter that we could have seen, but he really didn't pan out to be what the hype was. You know, he talked himself up so much. And it just, it, it just, it's, it's unfortunate for Ben Askren, but it's to, the, to your point, it's... What have it's are we seeing all the best fighters? And maybe a guy like Lofman is one of the best fighters that we're not going to see in the UFC. And, and it's just this, it's really a shame. It is a shame. It is a shame. Um, you know, but it's kind of the way the way it goes. Um, I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about uh, combat sports and MMA over on the east side of the globe? 
Oh, so when you talk about the Middle East and like uh, in Japan and whatever it is? Yeah, like, uh, oh, yeah, like let's uh, let's talk like if you want, let's talk, uh, yeah, Asia, Middle East, okay. you know, brave MMA, MMA promotions or boxing or kickboxing, Muay Thai in, in Asia. Do you do you follow one championship? Do you follow K1 I, or Max Muay Thai? Or- I follow I follow K1, not religiously, but I do. If it's on, I'll watch it. I'll look up a score here and there. Um I'll watch uh, 1FC, obviously I will, because of Mighty Mouse. Um, and I, there was a bunch of jiu-jitsu guys that got their, they got their start at Ryzen, so I'd watch that too. Um, but it's not, obviously, if I, if I compare East and West, the West is more successful just because they have the more, more money. But when you talk about well, more money, they have more hype, I'd say. When you talk about the East, I love the way Japan runs their organizations. I think that it's the best way to do it. Everything is... To the T, everything is organized. You don't hear a pin drop in the, in, the, in the stadium. I think that they have world-class fighters that we haven't really even sniffed. We haven't even smelled yet. There's that Indian, that Indian girl. She's like a, a gold medalist in wrestling. She's destroying everybody. Wow. Uh, I forgot her. I'm, I, I, feel I never like heard of her. Oh, no. She's, she's only fought like three times, but she's killing. She's, Very cool. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's an she's a Olympic champion in wrestling, and she just destroys everybody. There's those, those types of things that I like to watch, you know, and it's – I don't want to see the Gabby Garcias fighting against the, some old, old yeah, Asian woman. Yeah, I'm sick woman, of that. You know? yeah, I'm sick that of shit. that. And that's one thing that I, that I don't like about Japanese MMA. But one thing that I love about Japanese MMA also is that even if you look at shows that are not Ryzen, that, are, that go on in Japan, that are pro-combat uh, sport events, first of all, they treat their fighters that they fly in very, very well. Uh, fighters that they fly in from the States or fighters that are living in Asia, in other countries, they'll fly them over to Japan and they treat those guys really, really well. And it's cool also because they have a lot more respect for the sport. So, you know, you'll see uh, a more well-versed, like it's not always going to be guys with the best record is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, exactly. What's cool is, is that it's going to be good, exciting characters with good, exciting matchups. So even if, if maybe it's not a UFC S card, uh, even a show like Ryzen, even if the top of the card is solid, they could build a uh, a lower to mid card with fighters uh, with losing records, and it still be very entertaining. Oh, for sure. And that's I mean, what I like about Asian MMA in 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 general. Even in one championship, like there are guys with you know fifty fifty records or whatever it is, and like they're doing their thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's guys that. that that you wouldn't, if they came to the UFC, they might be able to, you know, win fight of the night and things like that. I mean, people, we look, the thing is, is that over on the West side is that we, well, the West side on, on our side is we look at scores and we look at rankings. And the reason why uh, Felder didn't get his championship fight against Khabib was because he wasn't ranked when he deserved it over um, Iaquinta. Remember that? Yeah. Iaquinta, the only reason why he got the fight over Felder because they were supposed to fight each other was Iaquinta was ranked and Paul Felder wasn't, where Paul Felder was probably a better fighter at the time than Iaquinta was, and he might have deserved it a little bit more. So for Fox to say, for, and the reason why they didn't give the fight is because he wasn't ranked, it, it doesn't fucking make sense to me. But over there in Japan is that these are the two fights with two guys that want to fight each other. Let's put them together. They're going to fight. This guy's the next guy in line. He's there. But the UFC has become a pro sports league at this point, you know? And yes, but, for sure, for sure. But, yeah. you know, uh, Japan has its own type of politics, but it's a different type of politics. Yeah. 
and they do know how to make things exciting. So if they did have a scenario like that, they would probably pull something out of their ass that would make people go, wow. It's because Jap- Japan has always been, uh, part of it has always been a freak, the, the freak show, right? The Bob yeah. Saps and Gabby Garcia's, like I mentioned before. So they, all, they have that element in it. But for the rest of it is that they're going to put on great fights all the time. And the people are going to watch and it's going to be a good card. And if you haven't, if you're listening and you haven't wa- had a chance to watch any one FC cards, watch a whole card. Don't just watch the main event and you'll see what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. And one thing that's good about one championship is, is that because they've started the promotion throughout all of Southeast Asia and uh, Northern Asia, what's good is, is that when I was in Thailand, what I was noticing is, is that a lot of guys, Thai MMA fighters or, 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 uh, you know, international fighters fighting in Southeast Asia, they were fighting on the domestic scene in their countries against guys that didn't even really know what MMA was. They were just taking a fight. So some of these guys were 5-0 and fighters, but their, their records were completely padded. And then when they got to one championship, they got exposed. Yeah, exactly. So now you're seeing that one championship is building more developments in terms of like one warrior series and stuff like that, where, mm-hmm. you know, guys could kind of get like six to seven, uh, uh, sorry, four to five like tough fights before getting into the actual big league. So they've built feeder leagues, which I think you're seeing that the UFC is trying to kind of do with the contender series, but it seems more so that they're just trying to find superstars because after Dana White did that show and he found Sage North Northcutt and Van Zant, I kind of think that instead of thinking about who the best fighters is, he finds then another guy like Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley. Like, Fuck this, man. Let's just find the most marketable guys. That's it. I mean, and, and the most marketable guys, if they have a level head on their shoulders like Sean O'Malley, they're world-class fighters too. So it's – and it's – the UFC, the thing is, is that they have the pick of the litter. If you're a guy who is somewhat marketable and you can put on a good fight and we'll take you. They'll take you. They'll offer you more money. You have no choice. They'll buy you out of your contract. It doesn't matter. They're going to find you. But the problem is, is that there's so many good fighters that just aren't marketable to them that they won't take. And it's back to my Ben Askren point. We didn't know what Ben Askren couldn't do. All we knew was that he was a good wrestler and he was killing everybody and he could have come over and maybe done some damage, but he wasn't marketable and he got into Dana White's skin. That's the only reason. And it's, it sucks that, well, it doesn't suck. It's, it, the UFC is always going to put on the fights that everybody wants to watch. They want to make the most money. They're a business at the end of the day. They're the NFL. And they, they can do whatever the fuck they want and people are going to watch. And that's what, that's what they don't, they really don't care because they know. That's why he doesn't really, Dana White doesn't really negotiate with fighters. He's like, there's an, I can find another one of you in a year. And that's always, it always happens that way. That the, the only miss, I'd say, for the UFC was uh, Sage Northcutt. I think that they rushed him way too quick yeah, into the show. Yeah, I, I, I do think so. I think they rushed him with Sage Northcutt. He had a lot of potential. And, you know, look, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'm sure. Look, I, you know, yes, they dropped the ball with Sage Northcutt, but another thing they dropped the ball with is, is sometimes they throw main events at fighters on – on them that it's just like you actually think that like this is like you know quote unquote acceptable like the i'll tell you the pro why i say it like that is is because if you were to watch the ufc back in the day there was a distinct difference between a fight night and a pay-per-view oh big okay? time, big time. now that you see the way the production is with fox and espn and blah 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 everything more or less kind of looks the same without without like the allure of, of Joe Rogan and maybe a couple of fireworks and the lights going off. So it's realistically, like- it's almost the same thing. So it almost seems like you're trying to deliver me 
the exact same product. It's like, I don't know, man. Like, uh, it's, it's not, not it's, the case. It's not only that. I also look at, they, they feel that they have the best fighters in the world. So whatever. Nunes card the other day when, uh, who did she beat? Just beat Amanda Nunes. Oh, she just beat um, Felicia, Spencer. Felicia Spencer, the Montreal chick. And it sucks for Felicia Spencer because she, like, we, every, everybody kind of knew what was going to happen there. But there was nothing else on that card. I mean, other than there was the two uh, Bantamweight fights. If it wasn't for those, I don't think anybody's paying for it. Like, I, I would have watched. I don't want to watch Amanda Nunes destroy Felicia Spencer. No, the whole reason why people paid for that card was for Sugar Sean and for the uh, exactly. Bantamweight, uh, for the Bantamweight uh, number one contender fight. And yeah. also, you know, like I said on, on episode uh, one of the unanimous decision, they, they, uh, they basically put Cody Garbrandt in in the co-main event against a guy in, in a sunset who's been in the division, a top dog for a long time, but never like you know, overly explosive. They put him in the perfect spot in the co-main event to kind of jumpstart his fandom again in the division. Yeah. You know? So it's going to rub other people the wrong way. Personally, I think they should have put Sanhagen and, and Sterling yeah, in the been co-main been. event slot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that people need to worry about what is a co-main event and what isn't unless co-main events start changing to five rounds. Yeah, because unless it's a title fight, it still stays three rounds. So calling something a co-main event, what does it change? Does it give you more money? I, I don't know what it does. I think it's just a way for them to get the fight on. Uh, Cody, it's probably a negotiation tactic. So Cody Garbatt's like, listen, put me in the main event. I want to make this amount of money. And he deserves it. He's a big market kind of guy. I mean, he's, Cody Garbatt's one of the most marketable guys you see. I mean, the tattoos everywhere. He looks good. Uh, women love him. He's a great boxer. He was a champion. You know what I mean? Like, he kind of a little bit of a fall from grace. You know, what I mean, he's a marketable guy, so they need to they needed to put him at that co-main event. And I watched that card. If it was just Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spencer, and then maybe there was another couple fights that really weren't interesting, I probably would have fallen asleep because I knew what was going to happen. I knew Nunes was going to smash Spencer. And to to your point, and to my point before, is that I watched it for those two fights plus O'Malley, and even the um, Andre Feely fight. Yeah. Against uh, well, that was Louis Jordan. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, that kid's amazing. I saw that kid when he was fighting when he was seventeen here at uh, in Montreal at FQA, and also at fighting when he fought at uh, TKO at TKO forty when he won the belt. It, it was he's an amazing fighter and he's a good fighter and he's going to be something very special one day. Very, very special. very special. Watch out for Louis Jordan. Terry, that's all for us today, my dude. What a fucking podcast! I could probably have spoken to you all night. Yeah, man. Um, Anytime. Where uh, where could they find you? Where could they where could they listen? Where could they follow? Where could they where could they put that shit on everything? I put that shit on everything as Hot Sauce Sports, pretty much everywhere. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're always putting up uh, new content, interviews here and there. Uh, we do a weekly, two weekly shows. One's called the Weekly Sauce. That's with me and uh, our uh, social media guy Alex. Uh, we just talk. We tackle one topic a week. We've done four episodes so far. Um, one big topic. We don't really go into a bunch of different things. And we have Hot Sauce Sports Weekly, which is me and the guys. We just talk shit about whatever is current. And uh, that's it, man. You can follow us everywhere on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Where we've On our website, too, we have a blog site, so hotsauceports.ca. Uh, that's where mostly – I write most of the blogs, but we do have contributors also, so we always have shit out there. I'm posting up – I'll be posting my, uh, my best uh, fighters in each division of all time. Uh, that'll be posted over the weekend, so uh, stay tuned for that.
Beautiful. And those two podcasts, the Hot Sauce Sports Weekly and the other one, are those two separate channels? Uh, no, same channel. Everything's on Hot Sauce Sports when you can find it on Spotify, Apple, YouTube. Um, so you, everything is through Hot Sauce Sports. We post them all in the same thread. Perfect. Okay, cool. Very, very nice. Um, and as well, you could find me at the Unanimous Decision MTL on Instagram or at Adam Kaplan 13 on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, this is episode four of the Unanimous Decision. Peace. <laughs>